When you think of tourism, what comes to mind? Are we talking like how Paris, Texas has an Eiffel Tower with a cowboy hat on top and that brings flocks of people into the town? Or how some cities base their entire economy around one major event like Williamsport, Pennsylvania does with the Little League World Series every year? Maybe you think of an actual concert tour. Like Taylor Swift is on her era's tour right now, bringing her charm and catchy jams to venues around the world. I bet those venues have their most lucrative night of the month, if not the year, when Taylor's in town. Never mind the post-concert amnesia that some fans seem to be getting from this tour. This is a real thing. People are going to these concerts and not remembering what happened. The whole thing is a hazy mess. I wonder if putting down the phones and definitely not throwing them on stage. What are we doing out there, people? Maybe that would help. But I digress. That's a story for another day. Diana Edelman has a different kind of tourism for you. She is, in her own words, a former publicist, turned travel blogger, turned elephant rescuer, turned writer, and frequent television personality. She's also the founder of Vegans Baby, setting up vegan tourism events in multiple cities. We're talking all about the moment she decided to go vegan. Something surprising about veganism that you probably didn't know. What it looks like setting up these events and how she's built her brand into what it is today. I'm Joey Held. This is Good People, Cool Things. And here's my conversation with Diana Edelman. To kick it off, can you give us your name and your elevator pitch and the type of elevator we're riding on? Yes. Okay. So we're in a glass elevator because I always love them. And my name is Diana Edelman. I am the founder of Vegans Baby, and I make vegan life more approachable and accessible. Lovely. So how did you become a vegan yourself? Because I know everyone has the origin story. So what's yours? Well, my origin story is kind of like it was like over a long span of time. So I was working at an elephant sanctuary in Thailand and I was coming home from the sanctuary one day and I saw a, uh, like a truck full of pigs with their little heads sticking out being taken to slaughter. And I was like, right, never eating meat again. And so um, I haven't had meat since July, 2012. And then I went vegan um, January, 2016, right before I launched Vegans Baby. And basically my friend, that I knew who was vegan basically sat me down one day and she's like, I don't understand how you know what you know and you continue to like consume dairy. And I just sat there and I was like, oh, well, you are definitely right. And so um, no no one had really ever called me out on it before because I was like, oh, I can't give up cheese because I love it too much. I want pizza. I love eggs. And then it just really came down to me just being like selfish and just putting like my needs above other living creatures need. So that was that. And I never looked back. So did you have, this is maybe an, an apples to oranges question, but I remember mm-hmm. many episodes ago, one of the guests gave up fast food. And so mm-hmm. I was like, did you have like a grandiose last meal? So did you have something like this or was it just like, you saw those pigs you're like, I'm done. I honestly planned to have like my goodbye meals. Like because back then there was a fast food place I love called Rory Rogers in in Maryland, and it's it's like a KFC, but like oh god, so much better. <laughs> and so I was like, when I go home from Thailand, I'm gonna eat all the Rory Rogers, I'm gonna eat all the bacon, and I'm gonna eat all the Thanksgiving. And I got home, and I was like, nah, pass. And so <laughs> I I had really no goodbyes to any of it. A question I always like to ask is a question you wish you were asked more frequently. And maybe this is a good way to kind of kick things off. What's the best way to go vegan? 
So I always, it really depends. Like if you are an emotional person and guided by your emotions, watch Dominion, watch Earthlings, watch Seaspiracy, watch What the Health, and you will never want to eat another animal product or byproduct again. Um, If it's something that isn't going to work for you, what I always say is just swap out things. So like if you decide you want to go vegan, but like, you know, just throwing everything away the first like day one is, is, is overwhelming to you. Swap out your butter, swap out your, your milk, swap out your meats for like other, for alternatives and kind of go about that way and just phase things into your life. So it's not this big daunting tax because really, I mean, I still have products that have animal products in them from like 2012, which I mean, obviously, like I should probably throw them away by this point. <laughs> but I mean, I've got a leather jacket that I I don't ha- I'm not going to throw it away because what's the point of throwing it away? That means no one's ever going to use it, and it was just you know, it just the, the animal was killed in vain. So I just kind of look at it as take your time, and you know, it, it's 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 not a race. It's a no. It's not a you know the the marathon analogy I'm going for, but I can't think of it right now because it's Friday and my brain is like, (laughs) but you know what I'm going for? Like you don't have to rush through it, take time and just go with what makes you feel okay because you will be much more likely to stick with it if you go at a pace and you, and you do what you're comfortable with versus cold turkey. Yes. I think uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint is the, the phrase you. we're looking for. Yes. Thank yes. you. I appreciate that. It's going to drive me crazy. As someone who has run one marathon in my life, I, hey, I'm very well qualified me. to say that. <laughs> what do you do? I mean, I've never run a marathon, so. <laughs> and I, I don't, probably not ironically, coincidentally enough, when I ran that marathon, the final like 200 meters or so, I was like, I'm going to sprint this. You've got a, oh. a cavern of people just like applauding you on both sides or cheering everyone on. And I was like, yes, like I'm done with this. I can see the finish line. I am going to sprint. So I guess you, you could have a marathon and a sprint all in one. Pace yourself. And then when you get to the finish line, yes. like then you can be like, I'm swapping out all of my household goods and, and bath and beauty products. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Do all that at once. <laughs> little shopping. So something else that you've become well immersed in and maybe even even kind of a pioneer in this vegan tourism space. So this was a phrase that I had never heard of before. So what is this world all about? How did you how did you become such a vegan tourist? So I um at when I turned 30, I quit my career and I traveled around the world and I started like um a pretty successful travel blogging career. So I was one of the early adapters with travel blogs. I had one of the top 100 travel blogs in the world. And I love traveling. And so um, part of what held me back from being vegan at the time uh, when I was living in Thailand, et cetera, was because I thought it would just be really hard to travel. And so I started traveling as a vegan. And then um, someone I used to work with in Thailand had suggested that we partner to do a tour. And I was like, oh, okay. So we did that and it sold out. And it um, and I had also started at that point, or prior to that, I had launched a food tour in Las Vegas where I had started Vegans Baby, and that was named uh, one of the top nine vegan tours in the world by Travel and Leisure. And so it kind of, I was like, okay, like I think I'm, I think like I really like curating things. I really like going and like finding and discovering things. So I did that. And then right before the pandemic, I had curated a um, Madrid Paris tour, which obviously didn't happen because COVID. 
And then um, I partner with Alluring Africa, which is a luxury safari company. Um, they're very into sustainability and like um, being like ethically sound tourism and things like that, like supporting local. Um, and we connected and uh, partnered. So I am their exclusive vegan curator now. So like I work with them to vet all the th- places we go. PETA actually named us one of the top five vegan safaris in the world. And that was the first time they've done that. So that was a huge honor. And we go, we really make sure that like for a lot of people, like the tours are designed for everybody. Like you don't have to be vegan to go on the tour. You don't have to, it's it's fine, uh, but they're really designed for foodies. So, but at the same time, I, I recognize that if you are vegan and you're on the tour, you, you very much could be someone who is vegan for the animals, a very ethical vegan. And so if you're going to like a safari lodge, you're not going to want to, see cowhide rugs or zebra rugs or things like that. So like we're very conscious of all of that and we make sure the places we go, like if if they're vegan friendly versus fully vegan, we still make sure to vet them and make sure that there's no like game trope, gaming, anything. Um, if we're staying at hotels, like we make sure that the pillows aren't down, the blankets aren't down, uh, that if they don't have vegan like toiletries, we suggest that they bring their own and things like that. Or we see if we can bring in vegan toiletries to the hotel. So the whole thing is vetted. And I think um, it really has become much more of a trend the past few years. Like I see all the time now, there's tons of vegan tour operators now and vegan uh, travelers and things like that. So it's come a long way. And and nowadays, especially there's such incredible food and um, especially in like the bigger cities, like there's such burgeoning food scenes. You just have to know where to find the food. Mm -hmm. So that's where I come in. (laughs) So what goes into putting a tour together? Like if you have a destination, are you like, okay, I know I want to get at least like X number of stops on there or like, how does, how does that come together? Yeah. So when we went to scout South Africa, um, like we, me and Alluring Africa, we went um, maybe like six months before the tour. So we went out there and our days were packed. So it was like different activities to vet and see if we wanted to do them, different restaurants to make sure that it was like the, the standard I wanted the guests to experience and things like that. So really uh, it's a lot of research beforehand. So I'm going through, I'm reading reviews, I'm checking menus, I'm seeing like if it's possible for them to have vegan options and if restaurants would consider vegan options because we really want people to experience this and um, things like that. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of research. It's a lot of food um, to eat because my whole goal with taking people on these trips is that they're having unique experiences that reflect the culture, that reflect the the, the food scene in that city. Um, so in South Africa, we take them to a place called the Kelp Shack, and it's from this amazing chef, and it literally is a shack on the on the ocean, and he goes out every day and, and goes diving and pulls up kelp and then makes you a private meal with like five courses that all have kelp. So that's such a cool experience. Like you're not going to have that in, in um, I mean, like we're not going to have a shack on the beach in New York City where someone's like diving for kelp and bringing it back. Um, or we, um, in Cape town, there's, uh, one of the top 50 restaurants in the world called La Colombe and they have an, uh, an exquisite music, vegan tasting menu. So it's bringing them there. Um, it's taking them to the winelands where they can have amazing experience at a vegan winery, uh, and things like that. And obviously also tying in culture and making sure that they go to, when we go to a place like they're getting an idea of the city beyond just the food, they're understanding the history of a place. Um, when we go on safari and, uh, uh, we take them to an incredible reserve 
that it does so much for conservation. And on, on site, they have a wildcat rescue and um, a, a wildlife rehab center. So it really is vetting everything and making sure that people leave that experience saying this was the best trip of my life. And that's every experience I want. Every Everything I do, I want them to have that response. Excellent. Yes. As someone who's had several best trips of my life, I think that's yeah. a good goal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, like if someone's like, thanks for the trip, it was okay. You're like, I did not do my job, <laughs> you know? <laughs> What's something about veganism in general that might surprise someone? There's a lot, but I think the, the biggest thing that would surprise people um, is that you can go vegan and you're not going to miss the taste and the textures that you think you're going to miss. Like, I think a lot of people come at veganism with this lack mentality. So if you're going into it thinking, well, I'm giving up this, I'm missing this, it's going to be really hard. But when you really sit down, if you're going to, if you're eating, like there, you can have such incredibly good food that just happens to be vegan. And I think nowadays there's also this misconception that like people are like, oh, I don't think I'd like vegan food. And they're eating like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with a side of French fries. And I'm like, literally your entire plate is vegan. You just don't think about it. You know, like there's so much food that's vegan that you don't even like, it doesn't even cross your mind that it's vegan because people just have these like roadblocks they put, they put up as soon as they hear the word vegan, they're like, eh, no, but really, you know, they're, they're probably a lot of their food is probably just vegan as is. You mentioned how people think like they're giving up something. So is there any food that you have not had since 2012? Like if you see Roy Rogers, are you just like, do you have to kind of like restrain yourself? Or are you just like, ah, it's fine now? <laughs> no, I, I like I've been vegan for enough time where there's nothing like <laughs> now I'm good. And truly the innovations that have come the past decade when it comes to vegan food and um, are astounding. You can get vegan fried chicken now. Like there's an incredible little spot in Vegas called Garden Grill and she makes vegan fried chicken. And it's so good. Like you can give it to anybody and they're like, this is good. Um, you know, there's, uh, I used to love eggs and this company called Crafty Counter just came out with the Wonder Egg and it's a hard boiled vegan egg. Ooh. So they sell them at Whole Foods. The texture is the same. The yolk is kind of mushy like you, like a hard boiled egg and you just sprinkle black salt on it. So it's, it's, it, for all purposes, it's an egg. Like if you closed your eyes and ate it, you would be like, oh, that's an egg. So, you know, there's not it, – it's just come so far where I, I – most of the things I would want to eat, I have – there's vegan versions of now. Yeah, I am always impressed when I go into a, a grocery store and it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> it's come a long way the yes. past like five years. Like phenomenal how far it's come. Yes. Now I want to talk about Vegan's Baby as a yeah. brand because you you mentioned how you had one of the top travel blogs and, and have kind of grown that. So how have you helped build your brand? Because obviously good content is part of it, but there's yeah. also a marketing and like partnership and all kinds of other components that go into it. So what have you found has been most helpful in building your brand? Um, That's a great question. I think um, what's been most helpful to building my brand is my background. So my background is public relations and journalism. So, and, and obviously like knowing how to do a blog in the first place. So like D travels around my travel blogs really prepared me for this a lot more. Um, 
So, but my marketing and PR experience really has helped me. My ability, like when I started in Las Vegas, I had already spent years and years in Las Vegas. So in restaurant PR, so I was already very connected. So reaching out to restaurants was was normal for me. I had relationships with a lot of people already in the city. So it was very easy to kind of pivot and be like, hey, uh, I'm starting this vegan website where, you know, can I come in and do a vegan tasting? I'm going to write about your vegan options and promote you. And then at the same time, I was also pitching like publications as as a journalist to write about vegan things. And I was just kind of like doing everything that I would want to do as PR for myself. Like I started a vegan dining month in Vegas because restaurant week didn't have vegan options. I started vegan food tours because there were no vegan food tours. So it's kind of just, you know, I would just kind of just do everything. And truly, I think that the attitude I had was, um, and what I would always tell businesses is if you build it, they will come, which is so filled with dreams of me. <laughs> but it's it's so true because that's what I did. I was like, oh, this would be cool. Okay, I'm going to do it. And I did it. And it's just kind of one of those things where I think my my background in, in, in PR really absolutely played a huge part in it, just knowing like, how to how to build out things like that. I know you like to travel and, and see different spots, but it seems like you also enjoy cooking at home and making some things, <laughs> dabbling occasionally. Or maybe this is even yeah. a better question because of that. What's one kitchen utensil that you think everyone should have? Oh, an air fryer. <laughs> 100%. I use my air fryer every single day. Every single day. I like it. You're the second person this week who's told me, I need to get an air fryer. So maybe it's time. Oh, yeah. An air fryer and an Instapot. Yes. I will vouch. I will vouch for any kind Instapot, of pot. I just use in the winter, but air fryer all the time. All the time. All the time. All right. I'm going to have to add it to the list since multiple yeah. people are telling me it must mm-hmm. must finally be time. Yes, please. <laughs> my My answer to this, I just got a Danish whisk, which is like a whisk but it's designed it's almost like a circle with like another circle kind of in it and i've okay. i have no idea why this works the way it does but it's i'll use it for you know the same things you'd whisk something with but it doesn't get caught like the you know whatever you're making doesn't get caught within the whisk so if you're, if you were like whisking cookie dough or something like it would you know sometimes you get a lot of clumps like within a whisk and then it's very difficult to get out for whatever reason this one still works as well but just very nice. Very interesting. Yeah. I'm sure there's some sort of science behind that that I can't comprehend, but that's very cool. Yeah, and it has a nice little like wooden handle. It just looks, looks very, very elegant amongst the many dirty dishes in my, my kitchen. So it's great. <laughs> I'm gonna let you choose your own adventure for this one because you also do speaking events. So you can either give us your worst speaking gig or your worst tour story. I don't have a worst tour story because the tours have always been really good. Um, worst, I don't have a worst speaking gig either <laughs> because they've all been really wonderful. I mean, there, I, I spoke at a veg fest in Puerto Rico and it would have been helpful if I would have spoke Spanish. It's always, yeah. Um, like that was, that was my bad. Um, also I, like my Spanish is not fluent. So it would have been probably really terrible had I tried to speak Spanish. Um, but I'm, I've been very, very fortunate that I haven't really had any experiences. I can give you worst travel story. Sure. Let's hear it. <laughs> um, I thought I would go paragliding in Turkey 
And so like we get to the top and if you've ever like gone paragliding, you know, when you get to the top of the mountain, it's like a, a pretty steep runoff and then you like run off the mountain basically. And so they like put you in a jumpsuit. They The guy attaches to me because we're going to go tandem. And I was like, when do I sit down? He's like, you don't sit down. Like you have to wait. I'll tell you when. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm like, he's like zipping like the just the very last little bit of my jumpsuit up. And he's like, are you ready? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't think I'm ready. And he says, well, the, the wind is good now. So we should probably go. And I'm like, okay. So we start running, 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 like start to, and the, the shoot like starts to get air and my body panics because we're getting way too close to the end. And so I sit. And so instead of like going off the mountain, we roll down. Oh no! Like boulder after boulder after boulder, like ten feet drop onto like this teeny tiny dirt road. And had we like fallen past that, we would have like plummeted to our deaths because it was like us and then the sea below. Um, so that was that was my worst travel experience. Like I, I, I um, pair of fell. <laughs> so it was kind of like the scene yeah. from Princess Bride, but not, uh, yeah, not with paragliding. <laughs> Clip. Okay, okay. Like it was, like, you know, like as as someone said, like you stopped, dropped, and rolled. Um, but it was like all of a sudden you see us running, and then you see us like tumble, and then you just see the shoot like fall over the cliff. Oh. And yeah, so it was it was quite painful. And then they're like, "Well, you just sat too soon. Do you want to go up again?" And I was like, "No, no, <laughs> I, I will never ever take my feet off the ground again. I I am good." That was the end of my short lived. Um, adventure seeking days and that was it so that was a yeah i'm like the cautionary tale of paragliding like they probably still talk about the time the girl fell like because it just doesn't happen (laughs) so yeah i think it's a reasonable reason to stop paragliding yeah Yeah. i'm like oh i don't i don't trust my reflex like my fight or flight reflex i don't i don't trust that so yeah i think and I mean, I guess they'd they'd argue you don't have to do a lot, but I feel like you do. Like you have to make your body jump. Like I've never gone paragliding, but I remember in the Dominican Republic, I did an adventure tour back in college, and several of the adventures involved literally just jumping off a cliff into water. No, and, no. Oh, I found that very easy to do because it was just like, well. Like the way they put it, they were like, well, we've just hiked an hour, so you can either hike back an hour. Or we can, like, continue this way. But it was very interesting to see because each day it seemed like there was one to two people who would not jump. They were like, nope, I'm not going to do this. And and it required quite a bit of coaxing to eventually get them down. But it was always different people. And it was I just found it so interesting that I was like, you were totally fine yesterday. And now you're, like, I would I would argue this was an easier jump. And you're they're just like, nope, 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 I'm not. So it's just amazing how... One day you can be so eager, and then right after that, you're just like, nope, I'm, I'm all right. Yeah, I think, like, I was, like, the idea of it was so cool. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, like, paraglide over the ocean, the sea, and it's going to be spectacular. And, oh, my gosh. And then you get there, and you see, like, you actually have to run off of a mountain. Like, and hope, trust that, like, wind will catch the chute, and you're not going to, like, plummet a mile down to your death, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, I... Mm-mm. Yeah, maybe that that's the difference is that you need the wind element as well. Because like with jumping just off the cliff into water, I'm just like, okay, as long as I literally don't like walk off, as long as I go out a little bit, I'll be in water, yeah. it'll be fine. 
But then you, yeah. if you need the wind too to catch you, then it's just like another yeah. element. You're like, that's that's too much. I don't know if you necessarily need the wind, but you definitely need it to fill up with air. But I think part of it is just like you're so high up and you have to fly basically. <laughs> and it's like, I don't, I'm just, I'm just not, it's just, it, it terrifies me. Like I'll never do it again. And so and I thought paragliding would be like the easy one to do. And it's just, or it's not. Well, hopefully a less terrifying question. Do you have a travel item that you're like, I can't live without aside from like the basics of toiletries and phone and stuff? Um, Compression socks. Ooh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Like the older you get, the more swelling you get in the ankles and the legs and like going up and back to Thailand, it would be like almost 40 hours of travel. And so I'm like, well, I'm just not going to, I just always like, if, I, if I'm flying a long haul now, always, always compression socks. I know it sounds so like old and adult, but wear compression socks. I, I love them. So yes. No, I like it. I think my answer for that would be like a money belt, like the same type of thing. Oh. It's just like an easy, like it seems, it seems so basic and so simple, but I'm like, I don't need the frills overseas. I just need stuff yeah. that's going to be effective. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and also I would say like a, a like an eye mask, so you can sleep on a plane better. Yes, and then conversely, the light comes in earlier in in to the bedroom. So I bought a, an eye mask, and it's yeah, phenomenal. I, I like that. I should probably get one because I really I my I've got like shades, but they're you can still see through them. Like I can see buildings. It's just muted. It looks like it's foggy. And so it's very bright in my bedroom still. And I really should just get an eye mask. So <laughs> I can see a year and a half later. And I have <laughs> well, in the interim, you're almost off the hook here, but we always like to wrap up with a top three. And we've been talking about travel. You've mentioned several countries, but where are your top three vacation destinations? New York City even though I live here now, but I definitely loved coming to New York before I moved here, Cape Town or South Africa in general, because you do Cape Town and then you do safari um, and Thailand. Lovely. Do you have a, a shout out in Thailand of a, a place people need to go to? If Mike ID is still open in Bangkok, it's an all vegan Thai restaurant. And she actually has a location here in New York. Uh, but the first time I ever went was in Bangkok that's it's amazing i think it's called green tiger is a vegan place in chiang mai and they have um vegan khao soy which is like a northern thai deli like a northern thai soup but it's typically not vegan because it'll have um, egg noodles in it so they make it vegan and it's so good khao soy is amazing so yeah those were the shout outs i would give in, in uh, thailand fantastic well diana this was so much fun if people want to learn more about you want to see vegans baby maybe want to join you on a tour where can they find you yeah. Vegansbaby.com, Vegansbaby across Instagram, Facebook. Yep. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you again for taking the time to chat. This is great. Me. I appreciate it. And of course, we've got to end with a corny joke, as we always do, do. You know, I finally realized tofu is overrated. It's just occurred to me. <laughs> Get after it today. <laughs> That's a great dad joke. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people 
hear the show, you can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Ooh.